Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Acts chapter 2, I want you to find verse 22. We'll read verses 22 through 39 on this Resurrection Sunday from the New King James. Are you ready? In fact, I've titled the message, He Lives. Peter here on the day of Pentecost, verse 22. It's right in the middle of his sermon. It says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in the midst, in your midst, as you yourselves know. Him being delivered by the divine determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, and now this is Psalm 16 being quoted here, a prophetic word from David, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand, that I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You have made me full of joy in your presence. Let's read that last part there. You have made me full of joy in your presence. Verse 29, men and brethren, let me speak freely to you, the patriarch David, and he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. Verse 31, he foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to the heavens, but says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord will call. Father, we thank you for what you did in the first service, what you'll do now in this service. Online, all of our platforms, God, pour out your spirit. Thank you for trusting me once again with your word and your people. Do what you love to do. Release all that's in your heart. May we never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. All of human history 
was impacted by what we're celebrating right now on Resurrection Sunday, also called Easter Sunday. As Pastor Karen was saying, Jesus fulfilled the entire picture book of the Old Testament, types and shadows, fulfilling over 300 Old Testament scriptures in his coming. Kind of amazing. Jesus rose again. Jesus lives. He lives. Come on, someone say he lives. The Passover lambs, as I said over this past week in services that we had, the time that the Passover lamb was killed is the same time that the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, quoting John the Baptist, the same time God's Lamb was killed is the same time the lambs were being slaughtered, one for every household. In fact, he said it is finished and gave up the ghost at three o'clock in the afternoon, the exact time that the lambs were to be slaughtered for the Passover. Darkness fell. Josephus, a Jewish historian, not a Christian, writes about this, saying that darkness covered the land and that there was a great earthquake. My, my, amazing. The the scriptures say that the rocks even split in two. It says that the temple curtain, that which separated the holy of holies from the holy place, was ripped from the top to the bottom. The disciples ran. Jesus' friends were scattered. Darkness covered the earth. And heaven counted to three. One. Two, three, and Jesus got up. You say, why is that? Because you can't keep a good man down is one reason. The other reason is that the sinless Son of God was raised again to life in picture of what Jesus will do for you if you receive him today, if you live for him today, not only now, but later when you die. Easter Sunday he arose. He appeared to the disciples for 40 days. He ascended and and commanded his disciples to stay in Jerusalem until they're endued with power. And that's the text we read. Peter preaches this incredible passage until 3,000 people get saved. So let's look at this text, this, this passage of Peter's preaching. Peter explains what happened. He quotes Joel 2. And the core of his message is really found in verse 23 and 24. And why don't you look at that with me? I'll read it to you. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, says one version. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it's impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And he begins to tell how this action of the resurrection was not a chance accident in a chance universe. It was by the design of God to set the captives free. Paul says in Corinthians that sin entered the world through one man and left through the last Adam. Jesus would come to redeem mankind to fulfill all of the sacrificial system. And verse 32 of the text that we read The disciples of Jesus witnessed the fact that he came back to life. They witnessed it. They they saw it. Verse 32, God raised this Jesus to life and we're all witnesses. It was not some story they made up. People, how do you know it's not a story they made up? I'm going to prove it to you. I will prove it to you this morning. To destroy the naysayers. Oh, yeah, no, they pretend. No, he was just pretending to be dead. He learned all that other stuff in India and then 
I mean, there's all kinds of nonsense, and we'll get into it, and I'll destroy all those arguments. But when you leave this place, you realize that Jesus is alive, that he lives, and because he lives, you can face tomorrow. Because he lives, there's hope. Because he lives, you can, you can be healed, you can be delivered. Come on, someone say he lives. He lives. That's right, he lives. And the disciples were witnesses of it. And the result of his preaching, after he preaches, 3,000 people, now that's just counting men, so it could be as many as 6,000, maybe, maybe, maybe 8,000, maybe, I mean, who knows, if, if the kids were there, a lot of people. The resurrection is the core of Christianity. Without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. It's the core of all apostolic preaching, as I've taught you over the years. And we're going to look at the book of Acts and just take some excerpts from different messages that were preached by the apostles. And you'll find that in every single message they preached, it wasn't just on leadership. You see, the cross seems to be preached many times across the world. The cross is pulled out of the preaching. It's considered by some to be grotesque. The cross is the very core of Christianity without the cross and not just the death. It's not just the death. If it was just the death, that, that's not enough. Resurrection. Come on, somebody say he lives. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 15 says, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. It's the same message that was preached. Acts 4 now and verse 10. Knowing this, you and all the people of Israel is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. You remember that guy brought daily, he's about 40 years old, brought daily to the gate called Beautiful, and they say, silver and gold have I none, but the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, and they take him by the hand, and they yank him to his feet, and he instantly is healed, and he goes into the temple where they get in big trouble. They get persecuted for that and Peter's preaching, telling everybody it's because Jesus died and rose again. Acts 5 and verse 30. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead. Acts 10 verse 39. We're witnesses of everything he did in the country, the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the cross. Verse 40 of Acts 10. But God raised him from the dead on the third day. On what day? On the third day. In fact, if you do a study on the third day from throughout the Old Testament, you'll see on the third day there's all kinds of miracles. God does miracles on the third day. He's the third day God. Acts 13 and verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. Verse 31. And for many days he was seen by those who traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem and were witnesses to, the, to our people. We're not talking about a religion that just has a bunch of rules. You say, don't we have rules? You definitely have rules. In fact, they're not rules, they're commandments. We have 10 of them. We're supposed to live by the 10 commandments? Say yes. Are you saved by the Ten Commandments? Say no. Some of you aren't convinced. The Ten Commandments show you that you can't live them perfectly. And we serve a loving, honest, holy, perfect God. And he sent his son to die in your place and mine. See, we need more than just a rule book. And I'm thankful for the rules. I'm thankful that he shows us the way. I'm thankful for truth. But we need a Savior. We don't just need a rule book. 
You don't need more knowledge to, to, to walk with God, although growing in the knowledge of God is something that we should all be doing. You need a Savior. You need something supernatural. You need Jesus' blood supernaturally to wash and cleanse you from your sin. Otherwise, it remains. 1 Corinthians 15 Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sin. Now the resurrection took place and it shatters all of history. It shatters all of history. Without the resurrection, again, there's no Christianity. The resurrection is a historical event that took place. And uh, somebody said, well, can you prove it? I'm, I'm going to. He said, is, it, is the science back that? Now the thing about science, let me read you a definition of what science is. Science, it's the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. Physical and natural world through observation and experiment. The thing about the resurrection is it took place in the physical and natural world, but it was supernatural. There's no explanation for it, but all the evidence is there that demands a verdict, as one man of God said. Well, many have led out to, to prove that the resurrection was false, and through their scholarly studies, almost all of them become believers. They're confronted with evidence that demands a verdict, and they're just like, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I guess I've got to repent. Because that is what happens, and that's what I hope to have happen today. The resurrection is not some theological nicety. It's not some figment of, our, of some crazed religious fanatics. It actually happened. Well, how do you know that? Well, if you look at the, in your notes now, Peter denied the Christ. I mean, he ran. He was scared. He's terrified. They're all terrified of being crucified. What happened to homeboy, Peter? What happened to him? Where he's scared, where he's... A little girl scares him out of fire. He denies the Lord. And yet he comes out of the upper room and preaches like a house on fire till 3,000 men get saved, plus their wives, plus the bed. What, what happened to him? Something happened. Something happened to Peter. It doesn't take a rocket science to figure that out. Scared, running from little girls as a grown man. And now he comes out and is like, you can kill him if you want to, but I'm going to tell you right now. He lives. He rose again from the grave. What happened? He saw the risen Savior is what happened. <laughs> the other disciples moved from hiding to becoming bold witnesses. How is that? What happened? Where did they muster their courage? Some moronic teachers would say, that they made it up, that they lied. They lied so they could keep the movement happening. You know what's wrong with that? The problem with that logic is that they all died as, almost all of them died as martyrs. Now, if you made up a lie, if you made up a lie, you know how hard it is to cover your lie? Anybody? Raise your hand. Don't lie again. Anybody ever lied before? And you had to like cover your tracks to kind of remember what you said and all that? So, so there's actually people, they call themselves scholars, but they're really, they've got a spirit of moron. And what they, what they believe is that it just doesn't fit. So they lied. Oh, yeah, they lied. Nobody's going to die for a lie that they know is a lie. Well, there's people that die for a lie that don't know that it's a lie. They blow themselves up. They believe they're going to get celestial sex partners by making themselves into human bombs. 
It's a lie. They believe it. That's why they do it. But if they made up a lie that Jesus rose again from the grave, they wouldn't die for it. That's for sure. Listen to some of these. Peter and Paul, both martyred in Rome, 66 AD, under Nero. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down. And he said he was crucified. He refused to be crucified normally because he said he wasn't worthy to die the way the Lord did. Andrew went to the land of the man-eaters, is what it's called. And uh, Soviet Union. Christians claim he was first there, first brought the gospel. He also preached in Asia Minor, Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. And he was killed, crucified in Greece. Thomas was active in the area of Syria. Tradition has him preaching Far East India, where he was also killed. They claim he died when he was pierced through by four soldiers with spears. Philip, powerful ministry in Carthage in North Africa, and then in Asia Minor. And he was, he, was, uh, he was also cruelly put to death and killed there. Matthew, tax collector, writer of the gospel, ministered in Persia and Ethiopia, stabbed to death in Ethiopia. There's some confusion about how he died, but he died nonetheless. Bartholomew, widespread missionary travels attributed to him by tradition, India, along with Thomas, back to Armenia, also in Ethiopia and southern Arabia. There are various accounts of how he met his death, but he was martyred for the gospel. James, son of Alphaeus, also martyred, clubbed to death, says Josephus. Simon the Zealot, as story goes, was sacrificed, by, was sacrificed and killed because he refused to bow down to the sun god. Matthias, an apostle, replaced Judas, also killed by burning. John is the only one that died, they say, of natural death, but they tried to boil him deep-fried John. They tried to boil him in, in oil. So let's just think logically. Logically, how is it that all the apostles gave up their lives for what they saw? Oh, let's go a step further. It's not like they could jump on a bullet plane, a bullet train, and go to North Africa, Syria, Carthage. It's not like they could just, just take a quick walk to the Soviet Union from Jerusalem. What would drive you? What would drive you to do everything that's within you to actually see someone hear about the good news of Jesus? What would drive you to not be, be to not, you couldn't be silenced when people aren't afraid. They'll, I'm gonna tell you, when you experience God, it'll move you across the sea to go into missions. When you experience the power of God and his saving grace and it becomes real to you, you become a witness. See, I'm a witness. Why would we work hundreds of hours with 80 plus people day in, day out, practices till midnight? Why would we do that? Because we're looking for a hand clap? I got news for you. No. We do it because he rose again from the grave and the world must know. The world must know. That's why we're here. Jesus rose again. He lives. I want you to say it. He, he lives. It's the only explanation. The people knew what he was saying was true when Peter preached this message in Acts 2. They knew what he was saying is true. Why is that? Because you could walk to the tomb where he rose again from. The, it's not like in India. It's not a thousand miles away. Where there's this place and there's this guy. And a, no, it's, it's like in their own hometown. 
Everybody knew. Everybody saw. They all saw the crucifixion. They all knew about Joseph of Arimathea. They all knew the story. The story was true. The story is true. There's all kinds of theories about that people have come up with, like the swoon theory. He wasn't really dead, so he didn't really rise again. You see, and this is what they say, that after the age of 12, there's these mysterious years before Jesus appears in the Gospels. And, and they don't tell the whole story, but he went to India. I'm, I'm not kidding you. This is actually taught. That he went to India and was taught by some swami or yogi or someone over there how to stop and slow his heart down. How many of you have ever heard that before? And so he was actually able to stop his heart and he seemed dead, but he actually was still alive. And so when they put him in the tomb, he woke himself up. I don't know what you do with the spear going through your heart and the blood and water coming out. That's a pretty hard one to recover from. No, that's nonsense. There's another theory called the wrong tomb theory. The, the wrong tomb theory attributes the Romans to be total idiots. But in fact, Romans were better at, at capital punishment than anyone ever thought of dreaming. They were wicked, they wicked, wicked, and they were really good at what they did, and they didn't just, well, I guess that's the wrong tomb. I mean, you got to attribute them to be dumber than a box of rocks. Pilate and everything. I mean, and if it was the wrong tomb, as soon as there was this revival breaking out, you're like, go get the body. Like, get the, enough of this. Get the body. But they couldn't find the body. Why? Because he lives. That's why. Because he lives forevermore. He's the resurrection and the life. Can you say amen? There's all kinds of theories that people try to come up with, but you got to do some serious mental gymnastics to think that they actually are true. It takes more faith to believe that he didn't rise again than he did because of all the evidence. How the resurrection affects us today. Look, first of all, you got to know that all of history, all of history changed because of what Jesus did. Look how many people are gathered here today, and this is the second time we're gathering. We'll gather again tonight. Why? Because you're a witness. I'm a witness. I know, I know what was in me before I gave my life to Jesus. I know where I was. He changed me from the inside. And I, so, I know some of you, you guys definitely got changed. Some of you were mean. Some of you still are mean. Stick around and the Lord will help you. Can you say amen? How does the resurrection affect us today? Well, we're all, we are forgiven. Say that. We are forgiven. Of course, we're potentially forgiven. What do you mean potentially? You have to receive what he's done. If you don't receive what he's done, then, then, then forgiveness is not yours, but it's offered to you. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift, the what? The gift of eternal life is given to us. Is, the gift of God is given to us for those who believe. To as many as believed on him, he gave them the right. That's the exousia. It's a legal term. He gave us a legal right to become children of God. Why legal? Because your sin deserves payment, as Pastor Karen would said. It is finished. It's totally been paid for, except you don't get it paid for unless you receive it. We're forgiven. 
Come on, somebody say hallelujah. You know, Christianity is not like any other, Christ, any other religion. There's no other religion like it. Confucius is dead. Buddha, he's also dead. Muhammad, dead. And the followers of Muhammad would also tell you that he's dead. There's only one who rose again from the grave, and his name is Jesus. Christianity is the only religion where God reaches to man and it, and it seems like God to me. All other religions are people trying to figure it out, how to live life and reaching up to become like God or try to remember that they are God. I have a problem with a God that forgot that he was. You just need to awaken your... No, you don't. That's, that's doctrines of demons. The problem is not that we don't know enough. Our problem is we need a Savior. And because he rose again, we can be forgiven. Heaven is our home. I want you to say that. Heaven is my home. 2 Corinthians 4 and 14. Because we know the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. It's a picture of heaven when you, when you pass. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm writing your notes again. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. In this passage, we read that Peter received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues. Because he rose again from the grave, we can walk in the power of the same Spirit, the resurrection Spirit. We can pray with new tongues. We can lay hands on the sick. We have power. Could you crack those doors for me, please? I believe it's getting warm. We can be healed. Look at your notes, D. We can be healed, delivered from demon power. And we can have new life flowing through us. You say, well, I don't, I don't believe in demons. You're probably bound by one, that's why. If you're here tonight, today, and occasionally you hear voices and see dark figures scampering around. Some of you are oppressed. Some of you are addicted. Some of you have a demon of rage. So what do I do about that? Get set free. How's that? Listen, Jesus never castigated anybody. He just set them free. So I don't want to think about the fact that I might have it. I'm born again. I can't, have a, I can't have a demon. I love what one man of God said. A demon, uh, a Christian can have anything he wants to. In 1 John, he says, little children, keep yourself from idols. If you live in such a way that it has idolatry in it, you open the door to potentially be manipulated by demon power. I said, well, it can't, it's not in me because light and darkness can't dwell together. I know that scripture. I, I, that's true. But what if it's sitting on your head? So you have a de- demon sitting on your head, defecating and pulling the hair out of your head in the spirit. I probably shouldn't have mentioned the hair out of your head. But I cut my hair so it doesn't. What are you saying? I'm telling you because Jesus rose again from the grave, you can be set free. And I found this. I found this in my 20 plus years of pastoring that most... You know, not here, of course. Most people are bound. They go home and they look at pornography. They do things they shouldn't and think everything's okay. You're being dipped in a cesspool of demonic power and you wonder why you don't walk in the full blessing. Come on, smile at me. Smile, come on, smile. I'm preaching better than you're amening this morning. You can be set free from whatever ails you, every bondage, every curse, you can be delivered. We're going to have a new life. Come on, if any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17, he is a new creation. 
a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We can have a new body. A new body. You actually get a glorified body when you get to heaven. I was saying in the first service, humorously, I used to say that my glorified body in heaven has a six-pack. But then after going to the production, I realized you could have a 12-pack, so I'm going. I've upped my faith to go for the 12-pack. Amen. The truth is, you have a glorified body. It could actually be 500 pounds without any clogged arteries and you eat whatever you want. No keto. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Uh, we're thinking in earthly terms, but the truth is, we don't know what a glorified body is. But your flesh can't, can't dwell in glory. No man can see him and live. But when Adam and Eve sinned, they died Physiologically, death began the process. Spiritually, they died. Fear began. And when Jesus came, he took the curse of sin from mankind and all who would believe on him. He's called the last Adam. And because he lives, we can live holy, a life that pleases God. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. I want you to see this, Colossians 3. I think I said Colossians 6 in the first service, and I suppose I would go with 2 Hezekiah because there is no Colossians 6. Colossians 3. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you die. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. For you died. What do you mean you died? When you received Jesus. His death. His substitutionary propitiation. His substitutionary death. He took your place. He died for you so that you could live. The Apostle Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I that live, but Christ lives in me by faith. Colossians 3 again. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. See, some of you are having a hard time in your walk with the Lord because you didn't die yet. You want to see resurrection power. It doesn't come on your terms. The Bible says, quoting Jesus, if you love me, you'll obey my word. He has a prescribed way of loving him. He's alive. He lives. And he invites you this morning. Well, it's afternoon now. But how many of you know it's morning somewhere? He invites you to get right with him. I'm not talking about religion. We don't need more religious people. You can go to church every day of the week, have baptismal waters dripping off your face, and still split hell wide open. It's a vibrant walk with Jesus. You must receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I don't want to. Well, that's, that's up to you. 
We'll be praying that God changes your heart. And I love Proverbs 21.1. says, He holds the heart of the king and he turns it like a water course. And things happen, you know, when you pray for your son, you pray for your daughter. You send notes and you just keep obeying God. And who knows, maybe they're in some pagan place and they open up a card and read that and the power of God comes on them. I'm going to tell you, the reason we're here, the reason we're building our building is this one is way too small. As some of you know, by standing in a line for the bathroom and trying to find parking. The reason we're doing what we're doing is because he lives. And because what he's done for us, we can't help but testify. If it means death, then we get the reward. You're like, what? Some of you aren't walking in the full blessing of God because you're half-stepping it with him. I mean, you tell me. You tell me. Any athletes out there or decommissioned athletes, as some have been called? It takes a lot of practice to get, they say 10,000, the book, The Outliers, 10,000 hours to become a professional in something. If you're going to walk in the blessing and walk in the power, walk in the fire, walk in the, in the resurrection power of the Lord, you're going to have to go all the way. You got you to put your old life behind you. Quit, quit messing around with your pet sin. What are you saying? You're getting a little aggressive. It's because I want you to have this abundant life that he has for you. It doesn't come by, come on. I've, I've said it before. If you half step it as a student, most of you wouldn't get good grades. There are some that seem to get straight A's by doing nothing. I can't ever figure that out. In the military, if you don't show up, you get a dishonorable discharge. Discharge, that doesn't sound good. It's not. If you're married and you don't get, you don't commit, you don't love your wife or love your spouse and work at that, you gotta work at it. It doesn't just happen. And if you're not faithful, you're not gonna be married for long. So you think it's different with God? You just, you're just gonna walk in the blessings and don't have to tithe and just go to church every so often. It's all gonna be good. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. The Bible says to reckon yourself dead to this world, to your flesh, and alive to Christ. Walk the resurrected life. You can have hope. You can have peace. You can have joy. Fullness of joy. Blessing of God. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.